Hey ladies, welcome to the Looking Above podcast. It's easy to get bogged down in details of everyday life. If we aren't intentional, our eyes can easily be pulled away from the Lord and we can set our gaze on things of earth. 2 Corinthians 4.18 says, So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. My name is Karen Boffman and I'm the women's pastor at New Life Church in Gillette, Wyoming. I believe that our perspective changes everything. So together, we'll be looking above. Looking above, this is episode 31. We are nearing the end of the book of Ephesians. We just have this uh, this week and one more week in this book. We've enjoyed this study. Today we will be looking in Ephesians 5, 21 through chapter 6, verse 9. This whole section here that kind of all hinges on the word submission. Mm-hmm. And so fittingly enough, what's our discipline today, Brooklyn? Submission. Yeah. Yeah. So who knew that this is actually one of the spiritual disciplines It is become kind of a hot button topic. Mm-hmm. And um, in our society, people do not like to hear the word. The word. No, they don't. <laughs> they don't like the word. They don't like maybe their understanding Of the word. Yes. And I feel like there's just a bad taste with that word in Mm -hmm. our culture. Mm -hmm. And part of that, we were saying, part of that is that we've all been taught to be so independent. Right. Yeah. Free thinking and... You know, and then of course, this whole my truth thing that's come up in the last Mm, few years has taken that to another level. So there's part of it that's that, but part of it, historically, I think um, some churches have really misused the concept of submission. And that's where some spiritual abuse has happened in the past. And so therefore, people just have this bad taste in their mouths and don't even want to talk about it. But we're going to go there today and we will try to tread gently. But explain that we do believe that there is a biblical basis for biblical submission. And we believe that because it's in the Bible. (laughs) Right, right. And God said it, therefore we do it. (laughs) So we do believe in the authority of Scripture and in the truth of Scripture. And so, yes, that's that's why we believe this. So... Uh, verse 21 says, and further submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And that first little clause there and further refers back to what we've just been in. So many mm-hmm. commentators would put that together with the previous section that we talked about last week. And at the end of that previous section there in verses 19 and 20, the preceding couple of verses, there's kind of this description of the body of Christ and how we live as the body of Christ, how the Mm -hmm. church lives. The church is a worshipful, joyful place where there's singing of psalms and hymns. The church is a grateful body. They give thanks. So we, we see all of that. And then this verse kind of completes that idea that the body is also a submissive body. And why? What is the, why are they submissive? What is Out verse of 21? reverence for Christ. Yeah. Yeah. So there's kind of 
an overarching as we go through the rest of this chapter. That's our why. Yeah. That's why we do it. That's why we live in the way that Paul's going to. So even though he doesn't continue to say, submit to your husbands out of reverence for Christ, we can, we can know that is why out of reverence for Christ. Right. Right. So that's kind of giving us, this is, this is how we live in the body. We Mm -hmm. live in submission and we'll get back to that at the end when we talk more about the discipline of submission. So then he goes on and talks about three different groups of people, um, kind of a, the one who is the submitter and the mm-hmm. one, you know, they're the one who are submitting and then the one that they are submitting to. And he talks to three different pairs, I would say, of people, the first being wives and husbands, mm-hmm. the second being children and fathers, and then the third being slaves and masters. And so I want to just set a little bit of a cultural context, historical context here for us as we look at this, because I think it's really important and it helps us understand why what Paul's saying is not oppressive. It's actually empowering and liberating mm-hmm. and... Um, really beautiful, quite frankly. So in this time period, we'll just, we'll start with the Jewish view on women. The Jews did not view women as humans. They were things, they were possessions and women had absolutely zero rights, none whatsoever. Um, the Jews actually started every day thanking God that they had not been made a Gentile, a slave, or a woman, Hmm. the Jewish men. This was their thanks to God every morning. Thank you, God, that you did not make me a Gentile, a slave, or a woman. So that right there shows you. Yeah, where they (laughs) were on the ladder. Right, right, where they were. They were, like, right in line with the Gentiles whom they abhorred because they were not God's people and they, you know, they were evil. They were right in line with the slaves who again were viewed as possessions. And then, um, then we have women. So that's, that's where women were in Jewish thought. This is not Christian thought. This is not God's right thought. This is Jewish thought at this time. So then, um, because of that, because they're possessions, because they have no rights, there was actually this whole issue of divorce and a Jewish man could divorce his wife if she did not please him for whatever reason. And divorce was so easy. Literally, they just had to go to a Pharisee and have a Pharisee write a document saying, I'm divorcing you, right? Hand it to the woman. It's over. Women did not have the right to divorce the husband um, unless it was like if they had leprosy or something like that. Like that was the only reason that, but a man could divorce a woman for whatever reason he wants. So we just have to think about, this is the view of marriage is that my wife is my property and I can do with her as I wish. And I can dispose of her whenever I want. Mm -hmm. That's the context in Jewish thought. Then we look at the Greek thought, which again, you know, Ephesus being in this cultural place, women, um, were mostly just there for the man's pleasure. So there were, um, prostitutes, the prostitution was huge Mm -hmm. for men's pleasure. Then most men had concubines who were there for their daily, whatever. Mm -hmm. And then they had wives. And the only purpose of wives was to give them what they considered legitimate children, 
and then to run their house. And women in the Greek culture were secluded. They literally had like their own apartment, not women, wives, I should say. Wives were secluded. They had their own apartment. They kept to themselves. They literally, there was no relationship between the husband and the wife. And then in Rome, it was even worse because divorce was just like, rampant. Marry someone, divorce them, marry someone, divorce them. And so like people would have like 20, have had 23 husbands or wives, you know, because they just kept, you know, for whatever, it was literally as a whim, you Mm -hmm. know, or it was, you need to divorce your wife because I want to marry her. (laughs) Like Mm -hmm. just ridiculous. So when we look at this passage and he's going to talk about marriage, we have to consider that marriage was in shambles. Like the whole concept of one man and one woman, When he's going to talk about that at the end of this passage, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united in one. There was no view of that whatsoever. Our Christian concept of marriage that we say you're married for life and it's, you know, it's this holy union. They did not understand that at all. And there was absolutely no esteem of women at all. So then here comes Paul And he's going to say in verse 25, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean. Um, And again, in verse 28, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. When Paul says this, (laughs) can you just imagine what people in that cultural context were thinking? Like, what do you think the men thought? were probably just in shock. Like what? Yeah. How do I even do that? Why? She's worthless or whatever. She's my property. I can Mm -hmm. do with her as I wish. She's not, she has no value. Why Mm -hmm. would I love her the way Christ loved the church? So we have to consider this, like this is huge upending of all views that they held at this point. So then he's giving the husbands this challenge and responsibility. You are to love your wife as Christ loved the church. And we know what that means. We know what that means. We've got the whole, you know, of scripture to tell us what that means, but there is no greater love, right? It says then to lay down one's life for one's friends. And that's what Jesus did. Jesus laid down his life for his friends. So if we are looking at this in this context where he's saying, husbands, this woman is not your property. In fact, I'm telling you, you need to give up everything for her. You need to be willing to die for her. Her good is above your good. You take care of her better than you take care of your own body. Mm -hmm. You look out for her needs more than you look out for your own needs. You, um, your goal is her holiness. Like Christ's goal for the church Mm -hmm. is her holiness. You are getting her ready to meet Christ someday. This is your responsibility. This is huge. And I know women hate this passage, but man, if I was a man, if I were a man, this passage would make me shake in my boots. Christ is calling men to something that is literally almost impossible. You are to act like Christ there. Paul is calling us, but you know, God is calling men to be Christ in their own homes, right? Give up yourself, give up literally everything like Christ did. We consider that. What did Christ do? He gave up all the glory of heaven. He gave up all his rights in heaven and came and lived in earth. God's saying, men, you have to love your wives this same way. That's huge. It is huge. That's huge. And then because of that, then we can look backwards into this, what wives are supposed to do. 
Yeah, so submit then, to your husbands and everything, right. which is why right. women don't like this passage. Right, because do their husbands live like Christ did? Do they put right. them first? Do they love them in that way? No. But if you consider if your husband loved you the way that Christ loved, we just look at those examples of how Christ interacted with people on this earth and how he gave them such esteem, how he raised them from where they were into this new place of honor, how he cherished them, how he gave up for them. We Mm -hmm. look at how he did that, how he loved people. And we think, man, you know, like if husbands love their wives this way, what would wives do? They would naturally say, okay, yeah, I'll follow you. Yeah, because they'll trust him to take care of her. Right. right. Jesus never lorded it over us. He still doesn't. He doesn't lord it over us. He leads with love. And that's the same thing here. And I was actually just happened to read an article this past weekend about submission and about husbands and wives. And it said a husband is never ever, just as a pastor is never, ever to lord it over someone. That power is a love thing. It is always a humility thing. It is never a, I have this power and yeah. you obey me. Yeah. Never. So um, that's like we said, that's why so many people have this wrong view of submission because we feel like you want me to obey him. Mm-mm. Right. <laughs> no way. But that's not it. If a husband is leading properly, it's a joy. Yeah. The hard thing, I think, is when, because our husbands are human, when they're not leading properly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, But even then, we are supposed to submit. Right. Right. Within, yeah. Right. And we can see that as an honor and a respect. Right. Now, again, out of reverence for Christ, though, you can go back to that. We can be respectful even in those times when human men Mm -hmm. fail or falter it um it is a mutuality though and so there is also that peace in the body of christ where this isn't saying husbands are the boss either right no (laughs) you know and a husband that's living this out properly is taking his wife's thoughts and opinions into consideration as well. So it goes both ways. It's, it is hard. We were just talking, you and I, about how it seems like so many marriages are struggling right now. Yeah. And I think so many marriages struggle because first, we don't enter into marriage properly. So Mm -hmm. we don't consider the type of man or woman that we should marry in, in God's eyes. Mm-hmm. So we need to find a man who is fully submitted to God and is willing to love us the way that Christ loved the church. That's the type of man that we should marry. So when we just marry willy nilly or we fall in love and, you know, and we're going to make it work and all of this, when there isn't that original submission to Christ at the beginning of the marriage, then we're, we're starting on shaky ground. Mm-hmm. But then when it's continued to not be played out in marriage, when we're not living this way, then marriage is difficult. And like you said, none of us are ever going to get it right. No, because we are human. We are human and we're all going to falter and none of us is going to do this perfectly. Like I said, if I was a man, I'd be shaking in my shoes reading this because this is an impossible standard. Right. Unless you... Unless you submit to Christ every single day and every right. single moment. Right. And ultimately, that's our 
goal. goal. <laughs> yeah, that would be wonderful. Right. But but this is, I think, why there is so much heartache is we just, all, we don't live submissive lives. We're not submitted to Christ and we're not submitted to each other and mm-hmm. therefore we struggle. Right. So it goes on, it talks about children in this next section. And again, here, who does he speak to? Not to the mothers. <laughs> he speaks to the fathers. I was like, this is a really tough passage if you're a man. Yeah. He's talking to fathers. And of course, as mothers, we can take heed and we can listen to this and apply this as well. But he says, fathers, don't provoke your children to anger by the way that you treat them, rather bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. And this same sentiment is kind of echoed in Colossians 3.21, where he says, don't discipline your children in a way that your child will be discouraged and quit Mm -hmm. trying. And so we think of that, like where our child gets angry, where they give up, we're not supposed to discipline in a way that breaks the spirit of our child. Right. And so... But we are to discipline them and we're supposed to do it with the instruction from the Lord. And so I think so often, right, discipline with children is about us wanting to control their behavior. Yeah. Yeah. When you're not careful, definitely. Right. It's something I have to be really intentional about because discipline actually should be teaching them. Mm-hmm. Um Mm-hmm. teaching them instruction that comes from the right, Lord. <laughs> right. It's not about um, the consequence. Mm-hmm. It's about the teaching. So if we're giving them consequences, but the consequences aren't teaching them the proper action, then that consequence is not appropriate. Right. Because it's not helping them. It's not, the discipline is not giving them instruction. It's not helping them do better the next time. It's merely punishment. There is well, a difference between punishment can't and be discipline from power or control. Like you said, right. um, Mike said something, I don't even know how long ago, years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but it stuck with me because Quinn was two and mm-hmm. that is a very mm-hmm. <laughs> tough time. Mm-hmm. Um, but he always said to discipline out of love in that even if right. you have to say, I love you too much to let you do this. So right. you will have a consequence to this so that, right. you know, um, and then with Quinn now she's five, I find myself a lot trying to teach her submission, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I realize you don't want to go to bed, but I do know better. Mm-hmm. And so you're right. going to go to bed. Right. And you're going to just get over it that you don't want to. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. Because we have to do that with God sometimes. Like, I don't want this, God, but you're yes. telling me this, so I'm going to lay down my own desires. Right. And right. that's what submission is. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And we have to think of this in context once again in the Roman culture. And we talked about this when we talked about adoption a few weeks ago. Mm. The father held absolute power over the yes. child as long as the father was alive. So that would be like Paul is an adult. If his dad was still alive, his dad would still hold power over him. Paul, Karen's husband, not yes. Paul. Paul, my husband. Yes. Oh, sorry. Yes. Paul, my husband. And so Paul has two, my Paul has two sons, right? Andrew is now an adult, but Paul would hold absolute authority over Andrew for his whole life until yeah, Paul that's dies, crazy. right? So it's, and even as that, the power, the power that those fathers held was absolute power. They could sell their child. They could put their child to death. Like they could crazy. They could enact the death penalty on their own child. This was the power that a father held. And he's saying, don't provoke your children to anger, bring them up with discipline and an instruction that comes from the Lord. So 
Don't discourage them. Don't break their spirit. This discipline comes from love. It's completely different than the way that fathers interacted with their children at that time. But if a father lives in this way, then when we go back to this children obey, children honor, there's a reason for that. Well, Mm -hmm. your father is looking out for you. Your father is raising you in the way that God wants you to be raised and raising you to know God. And so when we say much of discipline is about us controlling our children or much of our, you know, oh, you're not putting your shoes on fast enough. So whatever. And then we discipline them. That's not necessarily what this is talking about. We're, tr- we're to train them in godliness. And so we need to keep bringing scripture into our children. You know, like you're saying about mm-hmm. Quinn trying to teach her, this is how God wants us to live. Just the other day, Daniel and I had a conversation. I'm trying to think about why it even happened. He, oh, I know Paul bumped into him. We were in the line at Menards and Paul like swatted him on the butt, just jokingly. Mm-hmm. Well, then Daniel all out hit Paul on the butt. As hard as he could. (laughs) And I pulled him aside as we're walking out. And I said, why did you hit your dad like that? And he goes, well, if you do something to me, I'm going to do it back to you. Okay, well, that's what our society teaches. So then in that moment, I could spank my child, which would have just made the whole situation worse. But instead, we had a conversation then. And I said, what does God tell us? about when somebody does something we don't like. And Daniel knew because I've told him many times before. And Daniel was able to say, do not repay evil with evil. Mm -hmm. And I said, yes, that's how God wants us to live. He does not want us to retaliate for the evil. And so that's what this is about. It's about training our children in righteousness and the way of the Lord. The other thing is, is a lot of people have a hard time with a relationship with God because Mm -hmm. of their relationships with their fathers. Yeah. And so... It's hard because when you correlate God's relationship with you Mm -hmm. as your earthly father, who Mm -hmm. maybe did not Mm -hmm. do as Paul is saying here. um, Yeah, that just makes so hard. Yeah. So I think that hard to submit to a God when you view God as your father who's trying to just be controlling and powerful for no reason. Right. Right. Yeah. Our goal is not to break our children's spirit. And my husband, Paul, and I have this conversation frequently that so much of the counseling we do of adults, it would not be necessary if, if their parents had raised them lovingly. Yeah. So many parents break their children's spirit and it really breaks them down and they go into adulthood, broken, limping people. So it's hard. The last section course, doesn't really apply to us anymore because slavery, at least in our country, is legal. not legal. <laughs> but at this time, in the Roman Empire, there were 60 million slaves. Wow. So this was very well known. And again, slaves were property. In fact, I read one thing that said they were considered a living tool. So just like a hammer is Mm -hmm. a tool, they were just considered a living tool. So sad. Right. So it was a terrible, terrible way to live. So when Paul is telling them, obey your master with deep respect and fear as you would serve Christ. This is a huge ask of someone who's being treated as property and having just this miserable existence. He's telling them, live out your faith where you are. If you're a Christian, you're a slave, you have the capacity 
to live as a Christian in this environment and disciple and change the environment. Right. So he's, he's giving that to them, but then he's talking to the masters there in verse nine. And I love this. He's reminding them of who they are. You're going to stand before God someday. Mm -hmm. And guess what? There's not going to be slave and master anymore. You're both slaves of the same master. Yeah. And so he's kind of putting them on equal footing, which is why it confuses me that so many people glaze over this and are like, Oh, the Bible endorses slavery when Mm -hmm. that's not what Mm -hmm. he's saying. Right. Right. So he is saying we are all going to yeah. stand before our creator someday. And guess what? We're, we're all going to face him. Yeah. And when we do, you give account, no matter who you were on this earth, you're giving an account for how you lived. So live to please the master today. Yes. I love that. That's this whole idea of looking above again is that we don't live for today. We live for eternity and we live for a righteous judge and a righteous master. So... Submission today, Brooklyn. Yes. Let's talk about that. Okay. So we've kind of talked about what submission is, but Mm -hmm. what just define submission really quick. Right. So the word that's used in this passage is hupotasso. It's a Greek word that means to order oneself under, to rank under or arrange under. It does kind of go along with obedience, but it is a very militaristic term. Mm -hmm. So we think of the military and we think of all these ranks and certain people rank over other people. They are in charge of them. And with rank comes responsibility. Right. Now, if we look at the military today, oftentimes, like I think of a drill sergeant, I have a friend who just went through boot camp as a Marine and those drill sergeants are terrible (laughs) to these new recruits, right? I mean, they're awful. That is not what this is talking about at all, but it is talking about order, that there is order in the church. There is order in the body of Christ. Mm -hmm. And we like that, right? Because things kind of go to chaos without some sort of order. Look at my desk. Right. Right. Right? So order is important in the body of Christ. And when we're thinking this whole book is about unity, There has to be some sort of order in order for there to be unity in the body. So that's what this is talking about. It's kind of like an umbrella and you put yourself under that umbrella. It protects you from the rain. Well, when you submit to someone else, you're under an umbrella of protection Mm -hmm. that they've placed over you, that they are protecting you as your leader. Well, and like you said earlier, when you and I were talking, Mm -hmm. we are all led by someone and we are probably leading Mm -hmm. someone as well. Right. Um, and that hat, that is the plan for the church. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So and it happens in our homes yeah, and definitely. in our church. Yeah. And in our jobs and in our jobs. Um, so then we go to why, which mm-hmm. we have, we've pretty much brushed over it, mm-hmm. but as an overview of today's submission, not mm-hmm. back then. Right. Um, we go back to the verse 21, right? Yes. That says out of reverence for Christ. Right. So that's why. Right. Because we revere him, because we honor him and because we're called to live like him. And mm-hmm. how did he live? And I think Philippians chapter two is a beautiful description of this and how Christ lived in submission to his father. He lived humbly. He humbled himself. It's, you know, it goes the whole thing. He gave up all the power of heaven. He came, he lived on this earth. He humbled himself all the way to death on the cross. He lived a life of submission saying, 
God, whatever you want of me, I'm going to live that way. And we, yeah. I, when we read through the gospels, we just see that over and over again. He wasn't distracted. He was always on mission. He was always following what his, his master, his yeah. father had for him to do. So that's a perfect example of submission. So we do that because we reverence him. We choose to live like him. Right. Yeah. That's why. And then I also found something earlier in an mm -hmm. article that talks about how God wants freedom for us. And as backwards as it sounds, mm -hmm. submission leads to freedom right? because submission is laying down our desires and our plans and what I want, which is so prominent, I feel mm -hmm. like in today's culture mm -hmm. is I want this and I will right. get this. Right. <laughs> um, but we gain freedom by laying those things down because by placing them higher, we are in bondage to them. So when we right. lay down our desires for mm -hmm. our husbands or our leaders or whoever's it mm -hmm. is, um, we're actually next to freed, us in church. Uh, right. freed. So, right. Yeah. Right. So there is a piece of submission that is just submitting to the desires of others. The, mm -hmm. uh, um, well, in Philippians, in that passage I was just referring to, it says, consider others better than yourselves, yeah. right? And that we're supposed to look not only to our own interest, but, but to also the to the interest of others. <coughs> so it's that idea. That's what submission is. That's what he's talking about here. This is how we live as the body of Christ is that sometimes we give up our way yeah. for someone else. And it's hard because our flesh does not say that that is the way to do it. And that's why we, right. that's why, again, we always say, right. that's why it's a discipline because right. you need to choose it and Absolutely. be intentional. Absolutely. And it's done out of love. So here is a great example. And I am not saying this to pat myself on the back in the <laughs> least, but my flesh says that when a women's event is over, it is over and I don't clean up. <laughs> and there have been times when I've sat with boxes of stuff from a women's event in my office mm -hmm. or in my garage for months and months and months. But you and I now share yes. an office, right? And so my desire is like, I've got more things to do. I'm just going to leave this here. I'll get to it later. That is my desire. But Karen but thoughtfully, because <laughs> she knows I like organization. Right. So I choose to submit to your will. Mm -hmm. And I said, I'm not doing anything on Monday until I get everything put away. And this retreat is literally over because I've put it all away, mm -hmm. gotten out of this space. I choose to submit to your desire. Right. And am I perfect at that? No, my desk is still a mess, but that was a choice to submit to you. Yeah. That's what this is, is reminding us of. And why do I do it? I do it because I love you. Right. And in a good friendship, <laughs> I, I'm also submitting to Karen. Right. Um, and so you're not lording it, it over mess, me. Yeah. No. You have never once said, Karen, could you get your stuff put away? Never no. once, you know? So <laughs> yeah. In a friendship though, and a relationship and mm -hmm. within the body of Christ, we all need to be constantly submitting to each other. Right. It's a big circle. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's why you, we've heard Pastor Mike say so many times, marriage is a submission competition. Yeah, I it love that. Big I say that to myself. I'm like, okay, marriage is a submission competition, <laughs> so I'm going to win. No. <laughs> Get competitive. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. How would you... How would you do this today? I know we've kind of said it, but... Right, right. So it's it's several ways. It's what we just said, right? We submit to others' desires. Mm -hmm. So sometimes we lay aside what I would like to do in this time, and I do what you want to do. That's humility. Mm -hmm. That's love. Sometimes it is submitting to one another in that I'm going to say to you, I invite you into my life mm -hmm. to speak to me 
as an authority. Yeah. So that might be a mentor or a friend. That might be someone in your life group. It might be your whole life group that where you say, we're going to submit to each other in that I'm saying you can speak into my life and Mm -hmm. I am inviting that of you. If you see something that's out of line, I want you to call it out. I want you Mm -hmm. to hold me accountable. And so there is a submission in that, in friendship, you know, that can be in friendship. And then there's also this submission and it's all through the new Testament, but there is a submission to authority that Mm -hmm. we are called to today. And that I think we're so far from in our modern day American church in that if you have pastors, they have been called by God into a position of leadership in your life and you are to submit to your pastors. And we've gotten so far from that. We question our pastors. We argue with our pastors. We leave churches because we we disagree. We send mean emails to our pastors. We go home and we rip them apart over lunch. We just constantly question their authority instead of recognizing their God-given authority in my life and submitting to it. So that one is a hard one. People don't like that pill, right? right? We don't want to swallow that, but we are called to that as well. So if there are people who are in your lives who have been given God-given authority and this passage kind of talks to them, right? Like your boss, your parents, your husband, government, (laughs) government, your pastors. These are people that we are to honor. These are people that unless they're asking us to do ungodly, unrighteous things, we are to obey them. Mm -hmm. And so there is this submission too. And, you know, in a previous church, we had a woman on our staff who was a single woman. So she did not have a husband leading her. And she came to Paul and me and said, as my pastoral figures, I, I am submitting to you. And I thought, who does that? (laughs) <laughs> Who does that but anymore? It's because it was healthy. And like you said, it's, or like we've said that it's a mm-hmm. circle. So when mm-hmm. you're submitting to your pastors, they're also submitting to their the, authorities yeah. and to the Lord. Mm-hmm. Right. 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 And you even said, you know, there, there are situations when people question Pastor Mike Yeah, and your response to that is, I just always, um, tell or trust that Mike has been praying and that the Holy Spirit is leading him. Right. Right. And that's, that's what submission is, is I might not agree with you, but I'm going to trust that this is how God has guided you. Mm -hmm. And this is the right choice for our church, for Mm -hmm. this situation, whatever. Yeah. And so again, the, the one who is over in the submitting. So the umbrella person is always the one that is being held to a higher standard that more is being asked of that is going to have to give account. Like it is scary when you read the, Uh, The pressure that is on a pastor for his care Mm -hmm. for his flock is tremendous. So instead of questioning, (laughs) we should be praying for our pastors. We should be, and I don't say that as a pastor, like pray for me. I say that, you know, uh, pray for Mike, pray for Paul, pray for those who are leading our congregation. They have so much pressure on them to be godly and to follow the Lord in this. It's tremendous. Yeah, it is. Are we at the end? Yeah, I think we covered we it, all. it all. So much. And it, it is hard, but like you said, there's so much freedom yeah. found in this. There's so much freedom in submission. And there's so much joy in it as well. And peace, too. Right. Yeah. Right. So 
All right. We have enjoyed our time with you today. Enjoy your discussion together. And as always, we encourage you to keep looking above. above.